Somebody give it up for God this morning. Yeah. Check it out. Said I praise his name. Yeah, I praise his name. Matter of fact, Andrew, check this out. I'm going to praise his name. Philippians 4-4, rejoice in the Lord always, from the window to the wall, from the wall to the hallways. Praise him when I'm feeling good, even when I feel defeat. Because if he's blessing my neighbor, I know he's down the street. Genesis 50-20, you see, I understood. They intended to harm me, but he meant it for good. Y'all knew that one, right? Like, he meant it for good, right? To whom shall I compare him? But yet, who is his equal? He is the Holy One. That means there is no sequel. I see y'all substitutes. Man, you can have them. Because I know his understanding, no one can fathom. Isaiah 40, 28, I'm speaking from his word. Do you not know? Have you not heard? I walk and not grow weary. I run and not be faint. He is the great I am. I am the great I ain't. Give it up for God. Ooh-wee. Give it up for God this morning. Yes. And for those who are online, come on, y'all give a round of applause for those who are online as well. We love you, Nathan. We love you, Esther. Thank you for being here with us. Hey, welcome to Mercy Road. My name is Rashad, and this is going to be a little different, right? It's a house party. I got the mic in my hand. I normally don't have a mic in my hand, and I normally don't like to have a mic in my hand. But I got a mic in my hand. Yes, I'm making a big deal about it. So just work with me. I'm not used to having a mic in my hand. I'm used to my hands being free. But I'm going to keep going here. I'm going to keep going. And so what I do is I like to make sure the energy is in the room for the word of God. Not for me, but for the word of God. Amen, somebody, right? Amen. And so I say, good morning, Mercy Road. You say, good morning, Rashad. Why? To make sure that you're actually excited about the word of God. It's not about me. But since I'm the one here, I just want you to say good morning to me as well, right? So here's the thing. Somebody in here, it always happens, is going to call me Radish. Don't worry about it. Don't be offended. They call me Pastor Radish. I don't know why. I think they just like saying good morning twice. So we're going to just do it twice because somebody's going to mess up on purpose. So good morning, Mercy Road. Good morning, Yep, somebody said Radish, Bub, Richard, all that stuff. And we're going to do it one more time once again just to have some fun and make sure that you are in the room because we're about to get into this word. We should be excited. Good morning, Mercy Road. Amen. So we're closing out the house party sermon series. It's about extending your spiritual household in the kingdom and getting outside of these walls and being on mission within the community that you're, that you're in. And we're going to be in John 14, John 14 verses 1 through 6 this morning. I'm going to read this verse. We're going to pray and then we're going to jump into it. So if you want to turn to John 14, we're going to be in verses 1 through 6. The Bible reads like this. It says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. And the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the word that you are about to give us. Allow it to pierce the hearts, Father. Move me. Move me out the way. Let them hear all of you, Father. Be with my voice as it starts to, to just starts to crack a little bit as we've been preaching so hard this morning, Father. And just regardless of what my voice sounds like, may they hear your voice. 
most importantly. Pierce the hearts, Father, so that they can have the comfort and the peace that surpasses all understanding this morning. Move us, Father, to get outside of these walls and to the people so that we can increase the attendance of the upcoming house party. It's in Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. 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 And so I was thinking how to open this thing up. I enjoyed the rap. And then it's the house party theme. And I was thinking about, like, when I want to go to a house party, there's some things I want to know about the, heart, the house party before I decide that I'm going to commit to it. Or I was thinking about my daughter. My daughter's 18. And so, like, when she turns 16, 17, she started asking, could she go to house parties? All the fathers in the house, give it up for the fathers one more time. Give it up. Whatever. Anyway, so, so um, fathers. When your daughter or your son comes at 15, 16 and says, I want to go to a house party, that's even what they call it anymore, right? Now, you got some questions you want to know before you say yes. The first question you want to know is, who's hosting the party, right? Like, who's hosting the party? And we're going to use John 14, 1 through 6 to talk about, like, the things you want to see on the invitation before you will let your child or even yourself go to a party. And so in John 14, 2, look at this. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I, Jesus, go to prepare a place for you. That means the host of the party is Jesus Christ. Now, you just sang a song talking about Jesus, our redemption, our Savior, salvation is in his blood. This is the one that's hosting the party. I don't know about you, but that's the party I want to be at, right? I mean, let's just keep it, like, let's just go straight to the gospel at the very front of this. Everybody in this room, no matter who you think you are, you are a sinner, okay? You are a sinner in need of a Savior, in need of a solution, in need of a sacrifice, and his name is Jesus. This Jesus that died for you when you didn't deserve it. This Jesus that made a way out of no way is the one who is inviting you to this party. In fact, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. The host of this party is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And that matters because anybody could throw a party. Anybody been to some bad parties? And I don't mean like bad, good. I mean like bad, bad, right? Yeah, like I've been to a bad party, but is it good? I'm in church. I don't know. Like, no, I'm not like a bad party. Like Lucifer's throwing parties too, right? Like, demons are throwing parties, too. Idols are throwing parties, too. So we have to know who exactly is throwing the party. And in this scripture, verse 2, he says, I, Jesus, go to prepare a place for you. We're going to tap back into who Jesus is a little bit later in the sermon. But you also want to know where is the party at? Anybody remember Jagged Edge? Am I in the right cultural realm? Yeah, okay, all right, all right. We got some people in the 1130. They didn't know shh, in the 9 and 1030. It was like, Jagged Edge? What's the Jagged Edge? Where the party at, y'all? There's a song they had called Where the Party At, and we want to know where the party is at. So in verse 2, once again, Jesus says, in my Father's house, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. The party's at the Father's house. Actually, the party's with the Father. You see, and that's key. You got to know where the party is at because you could get invited by a great host and end up somewhere you don't want to be, right? Let me tell you something. Since I've been at uh, Mercy Road, I've had the privilege to do a couple of weddings here. 
And the first wedding I had to do was Connor and Logan McCarty's, uh, their wedding. And I love Connor and Logan. They're from Georgia. They had just moved up here, and they were like, man, we heard you preach. We, wanna, we want the privilege of having you to pass. I was like, the privilege? It'd be my privilege. And so in the midst of doing the premarital discipleship that we do before you marry somebody, I learned a lot about them. I fell in love. Logan's got this thick Georgia accent. Y'all got to hear it. I could barely do the discipleship because I was laughing every time she spoke. I was like, girl, say it again. She's like, say what again? I was like, it don't matter. Just say something, right? I put her on a Zoom call with my family. It's like, hey, Genesis, Brittany, you got to listen to her talk. We literally text Connor and said, can you guys get on the Zoom so they can hear you talk? She's like, is this a part of the marriage? I was like, nope, this is just me. I just want to hear this, right? <laughs> well, they're not from around here. And so we got through our uh, premarital discipleship, and then it was time for the wedding. And so my wife couldn't go. She was busy. Genesis couldn't go. I didn't have to DJ this one. I was just officiating. So I was like, hey, no problem. I'll hop in. I'll pop the coordinates in. And I popped it in, and I drove to the actual location that the party or the wedding was at. When, I, when, when I'm driving, I, I start driving through Martinsville, Indiana. Now, I don't know where you're from, and I ain't going to knock on you where you're from, but Martinsville and me don't always mix, right? And then as I'm driving through Martinsville, um, I make a right turn, and I got to go through Morgantown. I've never even heard of Morgantown. And once again, I'm not saying if you're from Morgantown, anything's wrong with it. I'm just saying we, we, we may not agree in some things when I go to Morgantown. Now, this is what happened. I made a right off of the street road because I thought the street would become another street, but it became gravel. And then the gravel became dirt. And then the dirt became no service, and I have no clue where I'm at. I should have known when they said it was going to be at a cabin, but I didn't. But I showed up, and I was like, I really don't want to be here, but I'm here already, right? And so they already know this, so it's not like they're learning something as we go. So we go through this beautiful wedding, beautiful, intimate wedding at this cabin. It was beautiful. It was amazing. But we in the backwoods of southern Indiana. And so after the, the wedding was over and all the beauty of it, I went over to Connor and kind of nudged him and said, hey, man, thank you for the privilege. Um, I'm not staying for cake. And I was out, right? And he understood. He was like, man, we were even kind of, we didn't know that it was back here. We're not from Indiana, right? But the thing is, I didn't know where the party was at. I just went because I knew the host. You also got to know where the party's at. When I moved out to Brownsburg, you still laughing on that one, ain't you? When I moved out to Brownsburg, right? When I moved out to Brownsburg as the only black at the time, in 1996, I am the only black at the Brownsburg High School. I come from the city. So they like, hey, Shy, you want to come to the house party? I'm like, bet. I'm coming to the house party. I'll be there, right? So I lied to my mama, got out. Kids, don't do that. That's just me. Don't do that. I'm just being honest with you. And I got out the house, and I went to the house party. Guess where the house party was? Not in a house. It was in cornfields and campgrounds. What kind of house party is in a court? We were walking through a court. I'm like, where's the house? They're like, this is the house. I'm like, no, this is a cornfield. This is not a house. But that's where the party was at, in the middle of the cornfield, middle of the campgrounds. So I'm just saying, it's very important to know where the party is at. And this is very vital because when I do funerals specifically, People were like, oh, man, that was such a great message. I want to surrender my life to Jesus so I can be with Grandpa. When my grandfather died, I had to do his funeral, and I preached a message talking about surrendering your life so that you could be with Jesus, so that you could be with God, the Father. But the people in my family were responding, saying, Rashad, I never believed it till now, but if that's where Grandpa is, that's where I want to be. And I said, here's the thing. If Grandpa's not there, it's still heaven. And that's a tough message. And a lot of us have created these idols of our family members, and we just want to go be with them, and we really don't want to be with the father. So what happens is you want to go be with grandpa, but if grandpa's there and God's not, that's the wrong party. That's not the party you want to be at. 
And that hurts us, and that's more reason to be on mission teaching and preaching and telling others about Jesus Christ because after you know, like, these truths about him, that it's about being with the Father, anything else is not heaven. Anything else is eternally damned. It's hell. These are real things that people don't like to talk about. So we know the host. We know where it's at. What's another question you would ask? What time is the party, right? What time is the party? Verse 3, look at this. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. In other words, Jesus says, the time of the party is when I get back. Now, I don't know about you, but that's always been a problem for me, right? Growing up, we had, I got 16 siblings, but 12 would be in the house at any given time, right? 12 in the house. And so it was crazy, right? We play video games. The younger ones would be playing tag. Everybody be doing their own thing. And then my father would kick in the door and be like, hey, I'm going to run an errand. This house better be clean when I get back. We like, okay, that's cool. When you going to get back? <laughs> Right? Like, isn't that the question you ask? Like, this house better be clean when I get back. Cool. When you going to be back? And we're saying that. Why are we saying that? Because we don't want to start cleaning the house until we absolutely have to. Right? A lot of us spiritually are, like, trying to figure out exactly when Jesus is coming back. Why? Because we don't want to start getting ready until we have to. See, my dad be like, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. <laughs> like, what does that even mean, man? <laughs> like, Right? And so, and so we're sitting there, and we're like, no, Dad, seriously, are you going to, like, 7-Eleven, grab a Fago, come home, or are you grocery shopping? Like, what kind of be back are you actually doing, right? And he's like, I'll be back when I be back. That is the worst, because you're like, if I keep playing this game, and he comes home, because my dad, Petty, he the type that would go, happy Father's Day, Dad, by the way, if you're watching this. <laughs> Love you. He the type, go around the block and come back. And be like, why ain't this house clean? It's like, bro, it took you two minutes to go around the block. Even if we were doing what we were supposed to, this house wasn't going to be clean. But he's like, I just wanted to come home and see you doing what you were supposed to do. Y'all catch that? I just wanted to come home and see that you were doing what you were supposed to do. And so, like, that's always resonated with me. Jesus Christ is coming back. That's a promise. And so why aren't we just doing what we're supposed to do, not worried about when, but knowing that he's going to. It's a promise. If he said it, that seals it. He is coming back. So we know when, when, when he comes back. When is that? When he comes back. I'll be back when I'll be back. Right, KJ? So look at this. Anybody got those friends where you're like, hey, man, um, we're going to church. I'm going to go to the 1130 service. I'll come pick you up at 11. And then you pull up. He's like, hey, I'm here. And they're like, all right, I'm going to get in the shower. What? I'm going to get in the shower. Look, some of y'all nudging each other, right? Some of y'all nudging each other. Or like, man, 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 you can tell when my family's going somewhere where I want to go, right? Like, if, if it's somewhere I want to go, I wake up early. I'm showered. I'm ready to go. 20 minutes early, right? If it's somewhere my wife wants to go, I don't want to go, she's standing at the door. I'm like, babe, I'm about to get in the shower right now. She's like, we're supposed to leave at 11. It's 10.59. Yeah, I'm going to take a quick shower, quick shower, right? But we keep delaying. We keep delaying. You know, getting ready, being ready, staying ready, trying to do as much of what we want to do before the Father turn, returns home instead of just being ready because we know he's coming back. So we know who's hosting the party, right? We know where the party's going to be. We know when the party's going to be. And so the next question is, well, how do I get there? Look at this. Jesus says, verse 4, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, I love Thomas. 
I love Thomas. Imagine Jesus in this room say, hey, and you, you know where I'm going, so you know the way. And Thomas is like, um, we don't know where you're going, <laughs> so how do we know how to get there? And Jesus responds and says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, specifically, the Father, except through me, right? And so that just, that just reiterates that it's about the Father. It's about being in the presence of the Father. No one comes to the Father. That's where the party's at. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. And like, since I'm moving up here, hallelujah, right? Y'all moving up in Hamilton so I could be with you a little bit more in Hamilton County, right? Amen, amen. Since I've been up here, I will, everywhere I go, I don't know where I'm going. People are like, meet me here. And I'm like, I don't know how to get there. So I got to put it in to the GPS coordinates. And Siri pops up with these, these, these solutions, right? Like, I give you three ways to get to the same destination. You could take the shortest route, which is not always the fastest. You could take the fastest route, or you could take the no highway route. My wife would prefer a no roundabout way, right? Like, I need a no roundabout route, but there's none of those up here, right? Look, somebody clapping, amen, right? But, but look at this, but look at this. So there's three ways to get to the same destination. Some of us spiritually believe that. Some of us spiritually, in this trying to be politically correct culture and worried about being canceled, don't want to stand and simply say, Jesus is the only way. We don't want to do it because we don't want to lose friends. We don't want to lose this. But Jesus himself says it right here. This is the scripture. This ain't me. He says, I am the way. Now, look how that balances some things because it's going to tell us more about the host. If you go down to one side of the spectrum, you got people in the church who are condemning and judging, so they're not inviting anybody. Why? Because you're a transgender, because you're a homosexual, because you're addicted to porn, and you're addicted to alcohol, and it's all about getting yourself ready before you come to the party. And Jesus says, I am the way. Just me. Not me plus your behavior modification. Just me. But then you come down here on the other end of the spectrum, and it's like, well, you don't have perfect attendance. You haven't been here for 52 weeks. You haven't mem memorized enough of your Bible verses. You haven't prayed enough. You don't, you don't raise your hands when we sing and worship. I don't know about you. And Jesus says, no, I am the way. Jesus plus nothing is salvation. Jesus plus nothing. And that should speak to your heart that he is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life. Because now you start asking, well, what kind of people are going to be at the party? And this is when this thing opens up. We're going to jump back up to uh, John 14, verse 1. In John 14, verse 1, it says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me also. Now I get to teach you some context real quick. I get to teach you some context of how we even got to this. So we're in the upper room. This is where the Lord's Supper took place. And when you read this, make sure you go read it for yourself. Don't just take what I say. Please go home and read this for yourself. But whenever you're reading the Gospels, try to read them to where you can read all four versions of the same story so you can get the entire conversation. When you walk into this upper room, this intimate moment with Jesus, with his disciples, why would their hearts be troubled? And the word troubled, I mean, excuse me, the word heart there, it's, it's Hebrews talking to Hebrews. In the Hebrew culture, the heart was the throne of your emotions. And so when it says, love God with all your heart, it means place God on the throne 
of your emotions so that your emotions are controlled. This is how they saw the heart. To let your heart be troubled is to remove God off of that throne and place your anxiety there, place your worries there, place your doubts there, place your fears there, and then that controls the rest of your emotions. So this is why the Bible says cast all of your anxieties, all of your cares, all of your fears, take them off the throne and throw them up to God and put him back on his proper place so that you will not be troubled. When he says do not be troubled, that's a command. He looks at them and says, do not be troubled. And if he gives you a command, he gives you the capability to do it. So what happened in this situation that led to that? Imagine being in the upper room. Everybody here, imagine being in the upper room with Jesus. He's about to go and die for you. And when he gets in this room, this is the Lord's Supper moment, right? He says, somebody in this room is going to betray me. He didn't say Judas. We automatically go, yep, it's Judas. It's Judas. Judas. No, no, no. He says, somebody, someone in this room is going to betray me. Everybody in this room, if Jesus was right here and said it right now, you would have to examine yourself. Just like they did. Is it, is it I? Is it me? Am I the one, right? But then also think about this. Think about this. They were having this argument about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Man, I'm going to be on the right hand of the right hand. I'm going to be right next to Jesus because I'm the one that Jesus loves. Like they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And while they're arguing, Jesus is over here ungirding himself and putting some cloth around him. Why? So he can wash their feet. Would that not eat you up? But that somebody's going to betray him, and here we are arguing about who's the greatest, and he's, he's getting ready to wash our feet. Would that not eat you up? On top of that, on top of that, they had given up everything to follow him, right? For three to three and a half years, they had given up everything about life, given up their livelihood, some of them giving up family, giving up friends, giving up their social status to go follow him, giving up their money, their homes, everything to follow Jesus for three years. And now, in this intimate moment, he says, where I'm going you can't come with me. Doesn't that feel like, like what, what do you mean? Like, has anybody seen that fatherhood on Netflix yet? If you, if you need a movie to go watch after church for Father's Day, fatherhood's a great movie. Uh, imagine this. Imagine a father raising up his child by himself every day at work with the child, making all these things. And then at some point, he has to drop the child off and go. We, we always talk about the, the pain and the tears of the father or the mother or the parent. But what about the tears of the child? Who's like, what do you mean I can't go? I, I've been with you every day, literally, of my life for three years. And now I, I can't go with you because you go to make a way to go prepare a play. Like, can you imagine the trepidation on the hearts and how a child would, and, these are, and this is the only time in the Bible, only time in the gospel, that Jesus calls the disciples little children is in John 13. There's your Father's Day part, right? But finally, think about this. He then looks at the rest of the room, and he tells them, all of you are going to desert me. All of you are going to fall away from me. When I die, when the shepherd is struck, the sheep scatter. And Peter, the leader he would have probably been the oldest disciple, the one that always has his foot in his mouth. He speaks up and says, no, not me. I'm about it, about it, right? <laughs> like, I'm about that life. If you go to prison, I'll go to prison. If you go to death, I'll go to death. Jesus looks at him and said, death? Peter, before the, crucif the, the, the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Can you, can you put yourself in that moment? 
I mean, maybe you're here this morning right now, and that's, that's the struggle of even being here because you, you've deserted Jesus. You've denied Jesus. You have pridefully tried to piece where you're going to be in the kingdom, and you're not washing the feet as you've watched yourself. Can you put yourself in that room and imagine how your heart would be troubled? Maybe your heart is troubled right now. You see, this is the moment that broke me. I, I struggled to get up here and preach this morning. Why? Because when I read this on Tuesday, I couldn't get past it. Let me remind you of who I am. Not to gloat, not to say, look at me, but so that you can get real with yourself. Perhaps me getting real with you will help you. I am the one who was addicted to porn. I'm the one that cheated on my wife. You talk about a Father's Day? For five years, I don't deserve a Father's Day. I was a deadbeat. I am the alcoholic. I am the one that wanted nothing to do with Jesus. I am the worst of the worst standing right before you right now. Right now. And even after knowing what Jesus has done for me, I still fail him daily. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're in the room right now and that's you. Or maybe you're on the other side. I got another side of me that just doesn't feel good. I'm the one that was molested and struggled with homosexuality because I didn't tell on my cousin. Maybe I liked it. Why did I not tell on my cousin? And That's me. That's legit me. Who are you? In this story, who are you? I'm the one who, who even as a pastor has felt moments where I feel like Jesus is not coming back. And then doubt myself if I really belong to him because of those thoughts. But I want you to see something in John 13. I'm just going to read it to you. John 13, 19, there's a key, there's a key passage. In John 13, 19, after he says somebody's going to betray me, look what he says. He says, from now on, from this moment on, I am telling you before it comes to pass so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am. Some of your translations will say, I am he. The he is not there in the Greek. It's just I am. And if you know anything about God, when Moses said, who do I tell him sent me? God says, I am. Jesus is calling himself God right here. This is why that's so important. Jesus looks at everybody in this room and says, when you read that Bible and it talks about your sin and it exposes you, and it shows you these things that say you're wrong and you don't meet the standard. And, and, and even when the people in the church want to put their crosses up and say, oh, and all this and all the scarlet letters, he says, no, no, that's not me. You see, I expose those things not so that you understand who you are necessarily, but so that you understand who I am. Think about this moment. You want to know who's invited to the party? Name it. Name it. You don't like the transgender. Well, guess what? I am. You don't like the homosexual. Guess what? I am. You don't like the racist. Guess what? I am. The adulterer, the cheater, the, 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 you name it, name it. He says, because I already know who you are. I need you to know who I am. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That whatever you are, he already knew that when he went to the cross and he stayed on the cross because of who he is. And so he says, whatever troubles your heart, whatever you've placed on that throne, take it off. 
Remove it. Why? Because I am the one that loves you when nobody else loves you. I am the one that died for you when nobody else cared about you. I am the great I am. Great is thy faithfulness. I don't care what the world calls you. I call you mine if you just believe in me. So if you're in the room right now, that's the invitation. That's the moment. And it's not just for the non-believers. If you're sitting here as a believer saying, ah, that's for them. I already know he is. You sure? Because I tell you, every time I speak to people, there's a part of the gospel that they don't believe that is paralyzing them from their heart not being troubled. And I tell you that as somebody who struggles with it seasonally, always doubting myself, always looking at myself, looking at what I haven't done, not realizing it was never about me, it was about who he is. That's why I said in the rap, I am the great I ain't. I ain't none of that. But he is the great I am. Don't let the cultural church fool you. This is why we say in Mercy Road, nobody's too far from God to be discipled into a passionate relationship with Jesus. This is why we say it's a house and a home and a hospital for sinners, not a museum for the saints. It's a whole bunch of ain'ts who know they need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If that's you, you welcome home. And so look at this, y'all. In Romans 10, in Romans 10, it says this. It says, Romans 10, verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess, confess means that you say the same thing. Homo legeo. You say the same thing as God about something. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you agree with God that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You are invited to the party. You will get in when we get there. And for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. Watch this. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let me repeat that. For whoever. Everybody say whoever. Whoever. You know whoever is? Whoever. I, looked at the, I really looked at the Greek. I studied it, and it was like everybody. It really said everybody. E-R-R-R-R-Y. No, I'm just playing. Look, whoever. I don't care. Where you are today, you are a part of that whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord. You are a part of that. See, it's not about you. Who is the truth? Who is the way? Who is the life? Gee, it's all about him. You can't, you can't make your own directions to heaven. You, you can't change your nature. Your human nature is in disobedience to him. The only way you're going to get right is surrendering your life to him so that he can give you his holy nature. You can't fix yourself. You can try to change everything on the outside. You can put on the resume. You can change the church clothes, but you cannot change your nature. You are a sinner. You need a savior. You need somebody who can do it for you. And that's the invitation that whoever... 
I don't care where you are in life. Whoever, the worst of the sinners in the room are equal to anybody else in the room. You need the same Savior. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will, not might, not should, not maybe, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the gospel. It doesn't change. It doesn't change after you believe, when you fall short. He was talking to his disciples, and he said, you're going to fail me. They've been walking with him for three years. He said, you're going to fail me. I'm letting you know. I already know you're going to fail me. And I still washed your feet. I already know you're going to let me down. And I still died on the cross for you. Then he looks at them and says, so love each other the way that you've been loved. Because the world out there that hasn't accepted the invitation yet, they're going to know us by this type of love for each other. Can you imagine in your marriage, when you say I do, you're saying, I already know you're going to fail me and I'm going to fail you. But I'm going to love you the way I've been loved and I'm not going anywhere. Or your kids, I already know you're going to fail me and I'm going to fail you. But I'm not going to stop committing myself to you. Or your church family, or your neighbors, or your enemies. Because that's what Jesus did. And so when I, when I sit down and think about, when I think about where I am in my journey, in my walk with Christ, my birthday's coming up, man. I'm so, and as I reflect, man, like, I think about my real birthday, the day that I, I found out that he died for me, when a lot of people in this room wouldn't even sit next to me if they knew who I was. That he stayed on the cross for me when people that I thought loved me the way that he loved left me. And it's no knock on them. I mean, I did it. I did. But he, he shows you who you are. Why? Because he wants you to know who he is. Stop letting yourself be paralyzed by sin. You fall short. Remember, he loved you anyway and died for you anyway. What happens is you don't fall into the legalism of trying to be something. It becomes just pure loving obedience. Father, you died for me, and so I want to preach this word for you. Father, you died for me, so I want to show up with your people. Father, you died for me, so I want to give to the church and give to the poor. Father, you died for me, so I want to go start an outpost to tell everybody about it, because look at this, y'all. This is it right here. He goes on and says this in verse 14. He says, how then will they, anybody who hasn't accepted the invitation, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. This is why we ask you to get out the walls of the church because there's more me's and you's out there who should be invited to this house party. But how are they going to hear if, we're, if we just want to be in this holy huddle on a Sunday? And so he says, if you think you're not good enough to go share this good news, look at the disciples. They deserted him at the cross. They denied him at the cross. How much worse can you be? 
And whatever you think that is, he says, I am. So don't let your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe in me also. This is the gospel. This is the invitation. And so to close it out, has anybody heard RSVP? Everybody knows RSVP, right? Check this out. I learned this yesterday, so I sound good, right? Rapande s'il vous plaît. Y'all like that? That's what RSVP means in French. Rapande s'il vous plaît. Translated in English, it means please respond. Please respond. If you're here this morning and you're wrestling with something or there's something about the laws of, of the Bible or the rules of the Bible or the commandments of the Bible that turn you off and you like the love part, but you don't want to surrender to these things and you just don't know, like everybody tells you you can't get right, please respond. See, that world that you're attached to, it's, it's going to fail you. Trust me. It's going to let you down. All those things that you're grasping for, they're going to slip from your hands. You are chasing after air. It's going to fail you. And when it does, he's still there inviting you to be with him. For those of you who already believe, please respond. Start an outpost. Get involved in an outpost. Or forget the outpost language. Just go get in your community and go look for those who don't know him and love them the way you've been loved. If you've actually tasted the love of Jesus, how can you hold it into yourself? You'll go tell people about Chick-fil-A and Wahlburger and all that other stuff. You can't tell them about the love of Jesus? If you've tasted this love, if you've been loved in this way, why would you keep it to yourself? I want everybody invited so everybody can please respond. As we get ready to sing this song, who you say I am, I want to leave you with this. Even after this message, the enemy is mad. You're going to walk out this door as believer and non-believers, and the enemy is going to tell you immediately, you are not enough. You won't be able to keep enough of the rules, and whatever Rashad said, yeah, yeah, wait till you, wait till you go talk to your other person who's going to tell you that you didn't do enough. Your friend who says that you didn't do enough, that you're not enough, you're not good enough. Jesus says, you are who I say you are, not who they say you are. I don't care what the world calls me. I care what the word calls me. And the word says that if I believe in Jesus, I am his. And that in my father's house, there's a place for me. For me, the one who has done all the wrong, there's still a place for me and there's a place for you. So I'm asking you to please respond. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the child dedications. We thank you for Ava Marie. We thank you for Clover. We thank you for JD. Father, if we could just be like those children who, who I know these children, they just want to be with their father. They just want to be with the ones that help give them life. But Father, we know you gave them life. And Father, if we could just mimic them to just rest in your arms, to just dance in front of the people because of how loved we are, to just, to just reach out to touch a nose, <laughs> to just reach out to be with you, Father. Your son did everything necessary so that we could be in your presence. Help us to believe that. Help us to believe that if we believe in you, we believe in him. And that he's the spitting image, Father. He's the exact representation of who you are. 
And as we learn and, and rest in that truth, Father, help us to love each other. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice who does not know that truth, who does not know that way, who, who does not know that life, may they surrender their lives today knowing that it's just you, Father, just you who sets the standard, and your standard is believing in Jesus Christ as Lord. May they make that confession this morning. But, Father, those who have made that confession, may they continue living out that confession in their obedience to his commandment to go make disciples and open up their homes and be a part of other homes that they don't feel comfortable around because it's so worth the invitation to your house. We thank you and we praise you. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.